Our Bible reading this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 2, um, verses 1 through 11, and it's titled, Wisdom's Worth. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding, furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then Uh, batteries sometimes die. That's fine. Um, I'd like to now invite Chris to the front. And uh, Chris works uh, with the Bible League. The Bible League is an organization that, um, obviously, I mean, they're all about Bibles. It's really about uh, training, equipping people, providing Bibles to people. And after our, serve, or after our message this morning, we're going to be taking up an offering uh, for the Bible League's Ukraine Bible Appeal. And so I'm sure uh, Chris will be sharing a little bit more about that. Um, now, when we talked about what, you know, what, what can we talk about this morning? What can he share with us this morning? Uh, we kind of roundtabled it a little bit and back and forth a little bit. Uh, and in the end, we, we got to the point where it would be really good for Chris to share uh, some of the work of the Bible League uh, and also just how uh, God has worked with him throughout time. So some of this is going to be about his testimony. Some of this will be about the work of the Bible League. Uh, and so I, I'm not going to steal his thunder by telling you all about him. I'm going to let him do that himself. But Chris, can I pray with you um, beforehand? See, I warned you. So I said to him just before when I was sitting down at a wedding the other week, um, my, my little microphone pack fell in between the gap of the chair uh, and, and the bit you sit on. And as I stood up, I kind of got stuck uh, and we had a good laugh and the same thing has almost happened to him just now. So, uh, Chris, uh, let me, let me uh, welcome you. Um, let me pray for you, brother. Lord, we, uh, we come and we thank you for this opportunity to come and hear um, about the wonderful work that you do uh, outside of this congregation. And uh, uh, what a blessing it is to be part of a global church that's committed to uh, worshipping you and sharing your love and your word uh, with the world. And so we, we want to pray now for Chris as he, uh, as he comes to share a bit of his life story uh, and a bit of the work of the Bible League with us this morning. We pray that you will, um, yeah, I guess really just change our hearts as we hear how you have changed his and, uh, and through the work that they are doing uh, in the Bible League to change also the hearts of other people as you work through their work. And so uh, we pray now for your spirit to work powerfully um, through him. And we pray that you might still any nerves that he might have and, uh, and all of these sorts of things. And, and we just recognize that you are our king and that we are here to worship you. And so we thank you for that and we praise, praise you for that and we pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks, thank brother. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, my name is Chris Waghorn, and uh, I work for the Bible League as Development Officer in Victoria. I'd like to thank Chris 
uh, for inviting me here today. It's an immense privilege to be standing here um, and to share with you about what the Bible League does in the world and the kingdom. When I first met Chris a little while ago, I was deeply encouraged by the vision that he has for Wonka Park Christian Reformed Church and also the tremendous zeal that he has for the kingdom and also his ability to hoof down a healthy salad. <laughs> I would like to thank all of the donors today to the Bible League. Your support is hugely appreciated. I arrived in Australia in September 2019 with an eight-month pregnant wife, just on the cusp of uh, not being able to fly, or just on the cusp of it being safe to fly, and our one-and-a-half-year-old little boy, Joshua. The flight took 36 hours. Do you have any idea how stressful that flight was? <laughs> Do you have any idea? It wasn't until we arrived in Melbourne, uh, I think I must have got up too quickly from the seat, that I fainted forwards into the aisle, at which point my little one-and-a-half-year-old boy attempted to push his trunky suitcase over my body as uh, he attempted to get out of the plane. We were greeted by bushfires, and then we moved straight into the pandemic and the most draconian lockdown on the planet. But I think the less said about this, the better. I currently live in Montmorency with my wife and my two boys. Montmorency very much reminds me of where I grew up in Winchester in Hampshire in southern England with its trees and its rolling hills. Um, you've all seen Escape to the Country, I suspect, very, very similar to that. My adult years were spent in London following my studies in theology at King's College. I would love to share with you a little more detail about my walk with the Lord but first of all, I would like to tell you a little more about how the Bible League works in the world and how it helps to build the kingdom. So, good. Jesus said, go out into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. As we know, the Greek word ethnos means... Um, um, it is where we get the expression ethnic groups or people groups. Now, can I ask you this morning how many people groups you think that there are in the world? How many ethnicities do you think there are in the world? Have a guess. Any guesses at all? Over a thousand, that's a good guess. A little bit, a little bit more than a thousand. <clears throat> no more guesses? Okay, to put you out of your misery, there are about 16,000 ethnic groups in the world. Now, the important question is, how many of those ethnic groups have not been reached by the gospel? I can take a percentage. How many of those 16,000 ethnicities have never come into contact with Jesus Christ? That's a pretty good guess. It's very close. It's 40%. So that six and a half thousand people groups have never been reached by the gospel. So ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. The 
The purpose of the Bible League is to serve the under-resourced church globally through the provision of Bibles, biblical resources, and training to transform lives worldwide through God's Word and help people to meet our Lord Jesus. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware, but in 2019, there were 250 million Christians living in persecution globally. Now, in the year 2021, that number had risen to 340 million. And getting resources to them is fraught with danger and getting more and more dangerous every year. Every quarter, we have a new country that's added to our security guidelines. Now, I don't know if you knew, but to do Christian work in the mission field is fraught with dangers and difficulties. Now, if you're a Christian missionary and work in the field, your name automatically gets put on a database for radical Islamist groups. When you arrive in a Muslim country, they know you've You've arrived, and you will be tailgated wherever you go. And they will make sure that you do not do any missionary work in their eyes. You get one warning, and one warning only. The Bible League also helps other faith communities. We try to bring people out of Islam, Buddhism, and the spiritual slavery of Hinduism. We also reach out to the poor. However... You can give and give to the poor, but this will re only reinforce the poverty cycle. Unless you change their thinking, they will always revert back to poverty. The Bible League's Bible-based literary courses, which we'll have a look at in just a sec, will help to transform their minds and their thinking. And it is here that we make a gentle argument for God's Word and the Holy Spirit. Now, can we play, play the video? We have three focused areas of engagement, Project Philip, Bible-based literacy, and church planter training. Bible League's strategy is all about discipleship. Generally, we don't give a Bible unless people are being disciples. We want people to be physically engaged 
in reading the Bible. And this is the real unique thing about the Bible League. And of course, because of our Project Philip and our discipleship, we have a very high engagement with the end user and conversion rate, etc. And because of Project Philip, this means that the, remain, the Bible remain in the hands of, the, of their owners and be a life study to them. And this way, of course, the Bible becomes of a per, part of a person's life. Everything the Bible League provides, there is no cost to the recipient. Now, do you remember the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? It is this story in Acts that expresses the true modus operandi of the Bible League most fully, and I think it's worth reading to you in full. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury. This man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Project Philip is a 26-lesson booklet centered around the book of John. Young Christians come and grow in their faith and go out and bear fruit, and that fruit remains. One could say that in this way, the Bible League is a little bit like a farmer, because a farmer plants the Word of God and cares for the seed by watering and fertilizing. That way, the seed will grow, grow and flourish. Of course, there's no point giving a Bible unless people can read. So we are teaching both adults and children to read using biblical precepts and con concepts. If we bring Christian education to people, it will help to change culture. And actually, our Bible-based literary courses are becoming very, very popular in the immigrant populations in Australia and New Zealand currently. We are also involved with church planting. Since we began in 1938 in Illinois in the States, we have helped to plant 76,000 churches across the world. And we run an efficient model because it's the church partners that provide labor. We empower the locals. We also have the prison Bible you may ask what further we're doing in Australia. So we provide Keros and Prison Fellowship with Prison Bibles. It's a great resource because it has 52 lessons in the Prison Bible and deals with questions such as, now I found myself, it might be the first time this individual is in prison, and now I'm in prison, how do I manage the guards? How do I manage the other inmates? How do I maintain my relationship with Christ on leaving prison? And then after the 52 life lessons, uh, you have Genesis all the way through to uh, St. John's Apocalypse or Revelations. And of course, the best thing about uh, the easy-to-read version is you can't smoke the paper. 
We are also working with um, retired Wycliffe translators on a simplified English version purely for First Nations Australians as well. There is no cost for this resource, so if you know anyone who is involved in Indigenous ministry, you can point them to Bible League's Indigenous page. People, of course, can download the PDF version too. There are 11 booklets and has taken many years to translate what we have done so far. So it's a kind of a transliteration from First Nations language into First Nations um, English. But I, can't, I shan't attempt to go any further because it didn't work the last time I tried to, I tried to do that. Okay, as you can see, a little bit about our uh, footprint. Um, I mentioned earlier that we planted 76,000 um, churches um, across the world. Last year alone, we helped to plant 2 million people with God's Word. We trained 100,000 people um, to, um, uh, to train in Project Philip, etc., which is what I said is the real unique thing about, uh, the Bible year, about the Bible League. And since we started in the 1930s, we've helped to plant nearly a billion Bibles and biblical resources in 55 countries. So as I said, we run quite a, a lean and efficient model. If you've been watching the heartbreaking scenes from Ukraine on the news and searching for a way to help, you're not alone. Currently, more than 7 million refugees have been displaced and another 7 million people within Ukraine itself. It breaks my heart as a European to see this continent destroy itself once again and just 80 years since the Second World War. Most striking of all is that it is ordinary people's lives that we are seeing destroyed and systematically dismantled. And this is even before we begin to talk about the irreplaceable destruction of its art, culture, and identity. Bible League local partners are on the ground, meeting urgent needs for refugees, fleeing unspeakable violence, and pouring across borders into neighboring countries. But many refugees are asking for one thing above all others, God's word. One of our Bible League source partners describes the scene. The pain of the local people is enormous. They do not show fear or despair, but anxiety about the unknown. And they are responding to the words of hope and strength found in the living word of God as a lifeline. God's word is a lifeline. It's so true. But they tell us they have no Bibles. So I want to invite you into an opportunity to act today to help bring real relief and hope to people who have lost everything. Bible League is currently printing full Bibles and New Testaments in both Ukrainian and Russian languages to distribute to refugees through our partners on the ground. Of course, we are also engaged with distributing food, providing shelter, and trauma counseling, but our main objective is disseminating the word. Please pray for us. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against powers and principalities. Becoming a partner church ambassador simply means that there may be someone here today um, where the Bible League has touched your heart and you would like to liaise or communicate between church leadership and our office in Sydney and place Bible League materials in an appropriate place or pray at a prayer meeting or help rally people together for a current campaign, for example, our campaign in Ukraine. If you would like to be a Bible League ambassador in your own church, please come and see me afterwards. We need you to partner with us in what God is doing in the field by becoming a source partner. You can help send one million Bibles that are heading to Ukrainian refugees, and here's how. Local partners have asked for 4,000 Bibles to be shipped immediately, 50,000 in the next four weeks, and 40,000 per month for up to 24 months. Your gift today of $45 can provide five full Bibles, $75 can provide 25 New Testaments. Now, each Bible is read by an average of five people. So if you go away and do the maths, you can see how your, your support can help to impact an entire community. So, for example, $45 can provide five full Bibles, which can help 25 refugees. $75, which can provide 25 New Testaments, can help 125 refugees. And a family of five can help to transform a community. There's a huge opportunity here, ladies and gentlemen, because the hunger for God's Word is enormous. And God meets us in the times of our greatest need. So if the Bible League has touched your heart and you would like to contribute, please see me outside after the service. Thank you very much for your time this morning, listening all about the Bible League's work. People like these people say thank you to those who have helped them receive Bibles. Please continue to pray the words of Isaiah over the situation. Don't worry, I am with you. Don't be afraid, I am your God. I will make you strong and help you. I will support you with my right hand that brings victory. And may you too be encouraged and strengthened by this beautiful passage as you pray and give. Thank you. So every time I listen to Billy Graham, I feel inspired. He said that before he spoke, he liked to fill his heart and he would prepare enough material for five talks so that he could speak out of the overflow. 
According to Jesus, the heart really matters. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this morning, I would like to speak about the overflow of the heart and take a short reading from Proverbs 2, or at least to go into a little more detail about Proverbs 2, the reading that was done earlier. But before I do, I would like to tell you a little bit about my own walk with the Lord, because I am a recent Christian. At school, I was a bit of a rebel. I wore my hair long. I never did my top button up. After assembly, it was always waghorn, see the headmaster. I, I never knew what I had done. It became quite embarrassing, in fact. On one occasion, I didn't have to see the headmaster after assembly. And the headmaster came to find me and asked me if everything was okay. I think he quite liked me in the end. Now, when I was filling in my university application, I put down law. I assumed a career in law, a career in law would be stable and secure, and my father would almost certainly back me up on this one. Unexpectedly, my RE teacher passed by, so that's my religious education or religious studies teacher passed by. He inquired what I was doing, and I told him I was filling in my university application papers. And he gave me a piece of advice that I'd never forget. Follow your heart, he said. Whatever you decide to do at university, do whatever makes your heart sing and what you are truly passionate about. And he suggested that I read theology. But what do you do with theology, I asked. That's not the point, uh, he quipped. So armed with this very ambiguous advice, I approached life. And of course, it got me into all sorts of trouble. Because after all, it seemed to make perfect sense at the time. I'm sure that we'd all agreed that it takes a brave man or woman to follow one's own heart in life. And I'm sure we've all got some battle scars that we'd like to share. However, it wasn't until 2015, so relatively recently, where my new life in Christ started somewhere out of left field, because I wasn't really looking for it. And it was then that I started to experience the overflow of the heart in the spirit. And this is something entirely different. The whole process, although there was no real in on the road to Emmaus experience, was a little bit like scales falling from my eyes or a veil being lifted. It was a gradual, gentle process. My wife and I actually struggled to conceive for many years. And for the first time, I had to um, think about I might not be a father in life. And I had to engage with this very real possibility. And one evening, my wife came into the kitchen where we used to live in uh, Twickenham. And out of the blue, she said God had given her the name Nathan to her while she was on a train traveling back from um, an IVF appointment. She told me that she didn't know any Nathans. And so she Googled what Nathan meant. And it meant that God had given. 
And some time after, she fell pregnant. Joshua Nathaniel is now four years old, and he was that little boy that uh, I spoke about earlier who uh, tried to push his way over me when I'd collapsed when I finally arrived at uh, Melbourne Airport. Now, let me give that some context for you. Um, my wife is not the kind of person to declare that God has spoken to her. She's just not that kind of person. So when she told me that this had happened, it pricked my consciousness deeply. Because I know that God speaks to his people. Now, I had lived across the road from St. Stephen's Church in Twickenham, uh, which is in southwest London, for nearly 10 years. And I hadn't stepped inside the church because I smelt the whiff of evangelism in the air. And because of my theology degree, I didn't want to get into any embarrassing conversations. Now, during this time, my wife had been on an Alpha course. You've probably heard about the Alpha course. She invited me to go on the Alpha course with her. And uh, I'm slightly embarrassed to say that I politely refused. Uh, I was a bit of an intellectual snob because of uh, my studies. I can thank King, King's College for that. And I thought that I knew everything there was to know about Christ. Apart, of course, for the most important bit, which is the relationship piece. I just wanted to share a couple of things with you this morning about my own journey. I was at a Sunday uh, AM service. I'd finally managed to step across the road into the church. And for the first time, I was singing um, and engaged with modern worship music and heard Christ described as lovely and beautiful. It may sound a little bit trite now, but at the time, um, it was so earth-moving because no longer was he the unmoved mover or the first cause or some intellectual uh, concept. He'd become a personal presence in my life. I was then discipled by uh, the men's Bible group, Fishers of Men. And there's a huge difference, as you know, between reading Scripture as a Christian and reading Scripture as an, some sort of intellectual pursuit. I remember the first time I said that I believed that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins I w and raised from the dead on the third day. I was at the Mind, Body, Spirit show in uh, Olympia in London when I was exhibiting with my business. I was quite shocked when I heard myself say this because it seemed to defy reason and logic. It was a radically new, supernaturally assisted position and an irreducibly Christian view of the world. It started to become evident to me that I was now a Christian. If anybody had told me that becoming a Christian or being reborn was going to be such an exciting experience, I would never have believed them. My question then became, how do you store up good things in your heart? Because I wanted to know God better, and I wanted to learn how to be faithful. So, as part of the answer to store up God's word in your heart, I make a lifelong daily habit of reading God's word. And I'd like you to read, I'd like to read Proverbs 2 to you once again because it is such a wonderful passage. My son, if you accept my words, 
and store up my commands within you. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. The writer of Proverbs urges, store up my commands within you turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, for wisdom will enter your heart. So what do you need to do? Well, you store up God's word within you. You need to accept verse 1, listen and apply verse 2, call out verse 3, and search verse 4. Searching for it like a prospector panning for gold. Like an adventurer on a treasure hunt. Now this takes time and commitment. As Jesus says in Matthew 12, 33, Fill your heart with good things and you will think good thoughts, speak good words and bear good fruit. So what does God promise if you do this, you will find the knowledge of God because God gives out wisdom free. Because of God's character, he gives wisdom and understanding, victory, protection, and discretion. He promises that God will keep his eye on you and protect you and guard you. Jesus says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Good people bring good things out of the good stored up in them. And evil people bring evil things out of the evil stored up in them. You cannot change your thought patterns on your own. You need the help of the Holy Spirit, filling your heart with his love and good fruit. Let us pray together. Lord, help me to fill my heart constantly with good things and guard it from evil. I pray today that you would again fill me with the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to continue to spend time with you each day and to apply the teachings of the Bible to my life. May my mouth speak out of the overflow of my heart. Amen.